relationships. We were made for relationships. God, three in one, created a man in his image. The man said, there's no one that's quite like me, God. And from man, God created woman. And that first relationship of God and man, man and woman in the family unit. And that family unit was the model for the first nations. And every relationship is based on that. We are made to belong to one another. One of the hardest things for me to surrender was you. That I won't have the same relationship with you anymore. Our family's not going to move. We'll still be members of Southview. We'll still live in Lincoln. But I won't have the same special privileges of a senior pastor that I do now. It's a joy to be in that sort of relationship with you and to witness you in relationship with one another. And as we talked this past week with the capital campaign team that was introduced just now, and we prayed for just now, two words came back about what our theme would be, what we would call it, and I think together we grow is completely appropriate for Southview. And so this morning, if you haven't already opened your copy of God's Word to John 15, I'd invite you to do so. It's a familiar passage of Scripture that is known as the vine and the branches. Jesus uses an analogy for relationships. When he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He's talking, of course, about grape vines, that the vine is the part that goes into the ground and puts down the roots. The branches are the part that goes out that the grape clusters hang on. He could have said, I am the trunk that goes down into the ground and you are the limbs. He could have said, I am the stalk and you are the branches, but he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And it's a picture of relationship. I want us to read the entirety of the passage together. And I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand in the honor of reading God's word, would you do so with me? I'll read from my NIV 84 with that updated NIV on your screen. The words of Jesus, John 15, 1, the following. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. If you are my friends, excuse me, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Let's bow in prayer again. God, we've opened your word. So rich and so deep is this passage that there's no way in a few minutes time we could plumb its depth. But we come before you asking now that you would speak to us. In Jesus name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. When we consider this passage of scripture this morning. I look at the verbs. What is it that Jesus tells us to do? What actions are we to take? We could preach a sermon almost on any single one of these, but I've picked out three for us to focus on that are the bigger themes of this passage of Scripture. And the first point there on your outline is that Jesus commands Christ followers to abide in a growing relationship with Him. Abide in a growing relationship with Him. Your Scripture may say, remain. But I like the word abide. Remain is good as well, but remain is kind of a word we use nowadays that because it's not as uncommon, may not seem to have as much weight as the word abide. Abide seems to me a Bible word, a scripture word. It has depth, it has meaning that we're to be in the relationship and not leave the relationship. We're to rest Remain. Jesus says there in verse four, he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. It's a mutual relationship. It's complementary. We need one another, Jesus and me. Well, I need Jesus, period. And because Jesus loves me, he invites me into that relationship. Galatians 2.20 says it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. That when you've trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, Christ lives in you. Christ lives through you. You are in a new love relationship 
with him. Verse 5 goes on, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, so we got the vine and branches part. In other words, we've got to be plugged into Jesus in a relationship with Jesus. And it tells us a kind of fruit. If a man remains in me and I in him, we're in relationship with Jesus, he will bear what fruit? Much fruit. It's the quantity of fruit. That our lives are going to demonstrate that we belong to Jesus by the fact that we are fruitful. That we demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in the way we live. So this isn't about quantity. This is about quality and character. This is who we are more so than what we do. Don't get hung up on the, oh, I'm not a good follower of Jesus because I haven't done lots of things. In relationship with Him, you do what He calls you to do. And notice what it says, the last phrase of verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're like me, I want to say, hey, wait a second, Jesus. I know you said that there, but you're probably speaking in hyperbole. You probably didn't mean it. I do lots of things apart from you, Jesus. And Jesus is heaven going, "Um, how'd that work out for you, Aaron? Are those things really spiritual in their nature? Are they things that matter, things that last, things that make an eternal difference? Did you pray to me and ask me if you should do those things? Are you looking at those things with an eternal perspective? Or is that just what felt right to you in the moment? Okay, Jesus, you got me. I kind of winged that one, Jesus. I kind of did it my way. It's been said that the national anthem of hell is, I did it my way. Jesus asked us to remain in a relationship with Him. Just as a vine reaches down and brings up the nutrients and the water to enliven the branches that they might bear fruit, that we remain in that sort of relationship with Jesus through our Bible reading, through our prayer, through our mindfulness of God at work around us, that we're in relationship with Him. The Scripture tells us that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus said there, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of real value, nothing of real consequence apart from him. And like it or not, that's the way he made the rules because he did it, not us. Verse 6 goes on. He says, if anyone doesn't remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away. Wither such a branch picked up, throw it into the fire and burn. Wondering why you feel spiritually wilted? It might be because you're spiritually dead. Because in a sense, you've disconnected yourself from Jesus. You're not walking with Him daily. You're not praying. You're not reading your Scripture. And then you wonder why your life seems like nothing's happening. Or you don't feel tuned into God. Well, He didn't walk away from you. You walked away from Him. This doesn't mean you can lose your salvation. Keep in mind... Our hermeneutics, you never take a single verse out of context. You look at what all of Scripture says about what salvation is and how you gain it and how you keep it through Jesus. And then you let Scripture interpret Scripture. We also want to look at the context here. This isn't a Scripture about salvation. It's about our relationship with Jesus. Verse 7. He says, if my words remain in you. There's a key to our relationship, my words. 
Jesus' words. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, he says, ask whatever you wish. Okay, Jesus, I could ask for all sorts of things. And what's he say next? And it will be given you. Whoa. It's the proverbial, so I could ask for a new Cadillac. No. Go back to your context. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. We're going to ask things that will bring glory to God. God, I could give you glory if you gave me a new Cadillac. I put a customized license plate on there like God gave it to me or something like that. I'd tell everybody, God gave me the Cadillac. I prayed for it. No, well, it doesn't always work that way, does it? And what's verse 8 talking to us about? That we bear much fruit. It's not about what we have. It's about who we are and what we do. And when we bear much fruit, we show ourselves to be His disciples. Years ago, I um, was in a kind of desert region of Zimbabwe, and it was in a drought. And I went to a missionary's house, and, you know, they have a cinder block painted house with a cinder block painted wall and a yard that is dirt. Frankly, the yard that is dirt is good because they rake a pathway around it every night before they go to bed so that when they wake up in the morning, they can see if a snake has come into their house at night. True. The only thing growing in the yard of this missionary in that drought-ridden part of Zimbabwe was this tree like I had never seen before. I'm not going to hold up my podium again this week because it's bigger than that. It had a trunk about, you know, a foot across or so. And then about head height, it split out and it was thick with leaves. And it had these things on it that looked like grapefruit, but they had a bumpier texture to them. And I'm like, dude, what kind of tree is that? You know, I mean, it's some African giant crazy tree. They're like, oh, it's a lemon tree. What? No, really, it's a lemon tree. Go pick one. That big one right there. Go grab it. So I go over. Boom, that thing is like heavy as a bowling ball, at least a little kid bowling ball. And then, you know, to get your finger through there, it had a thick skin. And, and, and then I finally got, and I could smell it. And I thought, it does smell like a lemon. Took a bite of it. It's a lemon. How do you tell a tree by its fruit? Didn't look like a lemon tree, but man, it tasted like a lemon tree. Maybe it was some sort of other thing. I don't know. I haven't Googled it. I'm just telling you the story. But go back to our point. We abide in a growing relationship with Jesus. He commands us to abide in Him. What's our second command in this passage of Scripture? The second thing on your outline is that we are to obey His commands to have total joy. If we abide and we remain in Him, we demonstrate that we have a relationship with Him, that we are His. And that relationship isn't just one where we rest and abide and just say, hey, it's great to be in a relationship with Jesus. There's some doing to it. And we see that in verse 10. It says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. We've heard this already, haven't we? 
We don't have to flip back there on the monitor because we weren't prepared. But in your Bible, just look back to verse 21 of John 14. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Look at John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and he will come and make our home with him. It goes on in verse 24. There's this theme of obedience and love. If you have an obedience problem, you have a love problem, Henry Blackby tells us. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love. Just as Jesus did, we follow his example. Verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. One of the great treasures in my office that one of you gave me years ago was a sign that says, so that. You know I love the so that. I had to throw that in there because it's, it's right here. Jesus says it. It's not even Paul. He says in verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you. When you obey me, my joy, Jesus is saying, is complete in you. Do you want to make Jesus completely, totally, utterly joyful? Be obedient. Don't just rest and exist in a relationship with Him. Do what He tells you to do. Say what He tells you to say. Go where He tells you to go. Live in a relationship with Jesus that is active. And demonstrate that. And you know that you will bring Him joy. How cool is that? Our obedience demonstrates our, and I'm coming up with a new word here, abidance. Our obedience demonstrates our abidance. Because we are abiding in Jesus, we obey Jesus. Because we've surrendered to Jesus, it shows our relationship with Jesus. Because we're dependent upon Jesus, it shows our compliance to Jesus. Our key word there is to obey, to do, to follow. It's not ignore or hesitate or delay or excuse or challenge or disobey since you belong you should obey we live in a world flooded with relativism relativism excuse me whatever you feel like oh it's okay for them don't judge them how could you say that right wrong it's true for me it doesn't have to be true for you well wait wait there's more than one version of truth but God's word is authoritative and God's word is clear and God's word is truth and Jesus Jesus even said of himself I am the word and he said I am the way and the truth and the life and so Jesus shows us to be in relationship with him and live out that truth, which leads us to our third point here. And that's that we love one another to show our love for him. Not only are to we abide in him to demonstrate a growing relationship with him, not only to we are to obey him to demonstrate our relationship with him and to bring total joy to him. We are to love one another. Verse 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Whoa. No doubt there, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. 
Again, look back in your copy of God's Word. John chapter 13, verse 34, you've heard me say to you before. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's our love for one another more than anything that demonstrates that we are followers of Jesus. As a church, we're doing this thing and we've got the bulletin board out there that says life together and people have put their hobbies and stuff. So you might say, oh, they have a hobby like me and call them up or email them or text them and say, hey, can we do that together? So we demonstrate our love to get with, for one another. We grow in relationship with one another. Our love for one another shows our love for him. Go on in verse 13. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. What? Romans 5, 8 says of Jesus, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for us to show his love to us. Jesus says to us, when we die to self and give ourselves to others, we show our love to him. When we act like Jesus, we show we love Jesus. When we surrender ourselves like Jesus, we show we belong to Jesus. When we live like Jesus, we show we're in relationship with Jesus. Verse 14. You're my friends if you do what I command. He commanded us to obey one another. To obey Him, to follow Him, to lay down our life for others, to live in an otherish sort of way, that agape love that is God-powered, I can't do it on my own. It's other-focused and it's self-sacrificing. That's what Jesus says that we're to do to one another and we demonstrate our love. Verse 15 says... I. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business, but instead I call you friends because everything I know I've shared with you. Jesus is saying this, the kind of relationship I have with you, that you are in this love relationship with me, that I've shared everything with you. Verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. We're called to a personal relationship with Jesus. He woos us because He loves us. And He desires an eternal relationship with us. And He says to us there in the end of verse 16, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in My name. That last phrase, in My name, is the key to the first part. If you ask it in His name, according to His will, according to His plan, in relationship with Him, then He'll do it as we love one another Care for one another. Demonstrate our compassion for one another. We are otherish to one another. Verse 17. This is my command. Love each other. Three themes in this passage of Scripture. Belonging. Obedience. Love. But those three themes are really like branches on the vine. And the vine that those three things come out of for us is a personal relationship with Jesus. Which leads to the first of our three questions. 
We've got questions to consider in response to Jesus and what He's taught us in this passage of Scripture. And the first one is, have I trusted Jesus as my personal Savior and Lord? Has there been a point in time in your past when you realized that you were a sinner and you asked Jesus to save you for your sins and you committed yourself to be a follower of His? If you haven't done that already, you can do that today. Whether you're in this room or you're online, you can say, Jesus, I admit to you I'm a sinner I believe that you are God's son and I commit myself to follow you. That's it. A commitment of your life, a prayer of salvation that you are saved. The second question is how well do I obey what I know of the Bible? If you are a believer in Jesus then you have to ask yourself, if I'm supposed to abide or remain in a relationship with Jesus, I'm also supposed to obey Him because I have a relationship with Him. So the question for all of us to consider is how well do we obey what we know of the Bible? Don't worry about what you don't know yet. Don't say, oh, I haven't studied that. I don't know. I haven't read that book. What do you know that you are not obeying? And our third question goes with our third point. What challenges me about loving others? Because if I'm I'm in a relationship with Jesus, I'm abiding in Him. I'm seeking to obey Him, and that is about loving others. Then I've got to ask that final question. What challenges me about loving others? And sometimes you might just say, that person right there, they challenge me all over. But maybe it's a certain trait that other people have. I wonder if it's like a trait you have. That's why it annoys you. Or it's a trait that somebody who's hurt you in the past has. That's why it threatens you. The question is for you to answer, to decide what is it about your life that God would call you to do and to be differently. Let's pray. God, every week we have the privilege of gathering together in this sanctuary and online. And we hear from your word and you speak to us by your of yourself. And today we've been challenged all over again about being in relationship with you. Not just a flippant passing. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. But a personal life giving abiding in you. That means that we choose to love others and obey you. So, God, would we surrender whatever we need to surrender today? Whatever about ourself or our sinfulness, would we do it right now? Amen.